Welcome to the Goalie Hacks podcast, the show dedicated to providing elite tips, hacks, and strategies to take your game to the next level, where we help you become an elite goaltender, one hack at a time. And now, here's your host, Mike Santaguida. All right, bang, bang, everyone. It's your boy, Mike Santaguida, and welcome back to another week of the Goalie Hacks audio experience. And I hope everyone is uh, getting off to a great start in their weeks. And and I know, uh, I, and I hope uh, everyone's working hard on the recruiting side of things during this time of, of the season of the year. And, uh, you know, a lot of people don't really put a lot of thought or effort into this time of the year. You know, and, I, and I've said it before in previous episodes and way back when I did a solo on the recruiting uh, on the, the recruiting episode, I highly recommend everybody go back and listen to that. It's called The Bubble Theory, and that will become a core part of your recruiting philosophy. Uh, so if you haven't go ch- gone and checked out that episode yet, definitely go. Uh, people loved it. It really helped out a lot of people, and there's some really good nuggets in there that... Uh, can really help you make some leaps uh, in this recruiting season. But um, like I said, I said it before, but this time of the year during you know, the off season is just, is just as important um, as when you're playing in season, if not even more important. And I'll explain why. And if you aren't putting in the work right now to try and find a good fit for yourself, you know, how do you expect to one find a team at all? Right. And two, find a situation to set yourself up to be successful, right? And I always hear, oh, you know, it didn't work out or it wasn't a great fit or this and that. And listen, I've been there and I'm telling you a lot of these headaches, a significant amount of these headaches can be avoided by just doubling down on your recruiting efforts in the spring and the summer. You know, instead of reaching out to two coaches, reach out to 10, You know, instead of looking right next to your house, maybe look within an hour drive out from where you live. You know, or look to even leave home home entirely if it means finding a better fit and a better opportunity, right? So, you know, like I asked, because how can you expect your career to go well? And how can you expect things to just work out if you aren't putting in the work to put yourself out there, develop relationships, and get in the mix with more coaches, because at the end of the day, you never know, you know, what everyone's goalie situation is like until you ask. And I'll tell you, coaches are happy to field calls with people interested in playing for their team. It gives them options, and they'd happy to tell you their current goalie situation. And um, it's either, no, we're good, we're, we're set, we have our guys. Maybe we'll see. Oh, this is what's going on. Or it's a yes, we do need a guy, and boom, there is one A quality lead. And now you repeat, you rinse and repeat that process uh, over and over and, and you work other coaches and and, uh, and you keep your options open just like they do to us. They want to have lists. They want to keep other guys in the mix until the last minute. Well, guess what? So will we. We have a list of coaches. We have several teams we're in the mix with and we flip the switch on them. And we put the odds in our favor instead of leaving it up to chance. And a great example is, you know, you go back to the the recruiting podcast that I released a, a while back. And I talk about my all of my bumps and bruises I took along the way. But because of all the recruiting work I did, you know, it, it was, you know, like I'm very, very passionate, 
you know, about this time of year because I truly believe that the recruiting work, you know, me and my dad did was one of the biggest factors in me being able to land on my feet everywhere I went because we did the work to find the right fit, right? To put a plan A, B, C. We're going to the USHL. If it doesn't work out, I already have something in the mix in the BCHL with another coach, but I've let him know I'm moving on. But I'd be interested to revisit this conversation later. And those are decisions that you have to live with, unfortunately, right? In hockey, you can't necessarily go try out for every team, right? All junior tryouts, sometimes same weekend for certain leagues, right? Uh, it, it happens for AAA too in your certain regions. So that's why it's important, you know, to do the work and find the right fit, right? Because... You know, all of a sudden you slide into this mix that you calculated was probably your best chance of success based on your, you know, 10, 20 coaches you reached out to. Right. And all of a sudden it fits like a glove. It's a miracle. Like it's magic. Right. But no, it's not magic. Like this is the game. This is recruiting season and this is the business. So as much fun as I had in this, right, we like, you know, oh, people treat it too much like a business. Listen, if you're serious about your hockey, right, you're serious about playing at the next level, this is a large part of the business, right? And it's fun reaching out to coaches, meeting new people, like, it's all about the journey. You never really know where the chips are going to fall until you go and put yourself out there and just move forward, you know? So if you haven't been hustling, get to it. Get on the horn. Do your research. Research all the leagues in North America or Europe or wherever you are or wherever you want to play. Research contact info and teams you'd likely be a good candidate for. Who's got goalies graduating? Who didn't do very good this season, right? And you, and you go do the outreach. You got to do the work. I ask people this. You know, I'm like, okay, well, do you know all of the prep leagues in, in the United States? Well, no. I said, well, how do you know where you want to play then? And that's the kind of work you need to do at a younger age. You got to understand the landscape. You got to understand the leagues. What's your road look like? What's your roadmap look like two years out, five years out? And I'm, a, I'm not a huge fan of, you know, over, over goal setting. I feel like it can be goal overload sometimes. But, but something very imperative to my career was me and my dad and my family made a roadmap. And we said, this is where we want to be by then. And if not, then this. If not, then this. If this, then that. And, and, and you follow that and you go after it and you chase it, right? Like I said, this isn't magic, you know? You go do the outreach. Put yourself out there, right? You'll get 20 no's, right? Maybe you guys are reaching out to two, three people. How about you reach out to 40, right? You're going to get, you know, you're going to get 25 no's, right? You're going to get 10 maybes, but you'll get one to two yeses where you really gel with the coach and he calls you back right away, he takes care of you and shows interest, you know. That's where you want to be. You want to you want to be where you have a connection with the coach, where you're wanted, right? So, when it comes to the recruiting process, I highly suggest to people like, "Hey, it really is a gut feeling. Um, if you're not feeling like the coach is really vibing and you guys aren't gelling well, then maybe you keep looking." And it's not necessarily never ever burn bridges ever. Uh, even when you disagree or have disagreements or you don't see eye to eye with people because hockey is a much smaller world than people think. And it's crazy how some of these things will come back to bite you if you're not careful with your ego and your attitude in this uh, in this business. So, um, But if you're interested in, in how to find a good fit, I offer that in my mentorship program, which I haven't brought up in a while. 
um, because we're, we're very maxed out with students and, and it's going very well, but it's still open and it's still available. Um, and everyone is just experiencing massive amounts of success on, on every front. And, and during this particular season, the recruiting side of things is what, what truly sets you up for success for the upcoming season. And, and you can't sleep on it. Get on it. Take care of business because if you do that work, uh, if you don't do that work, think about it. That's another 12 months of feeling sorry for yourself and not being where you want to be. And you only have so many years as a young goaltender to put yourself out there and prove to yourself, uh, prove yourself to scouts at the next level. You know, you, you don't want to be wasting any of your time or any any season. Uh, you know, you want to every single season you want to put your best foot forward um, because over your whole career it all eventually adds up. Your track record matters. So get to it. Feel free to reach out if you have any questions or are interested in getting involved with the program today uh, to up your recruiting game significantly. That's what we. You know, that's what I specialize very heavily in, and it's gone incredibly, incredibly well for so many kids, you know, going from A to AAA, AA to AAA, you know, AAA to prep, prep to junior, junior to college, college to pro. Um, you know, so like I said, if you guys have any questions, uh, reach out, but definitely do not be neglecting that this season. Um, but with that being said, you know, today on the show, I have Dr. Cassidy Preston from Consistent elite performance and he's a leading sports psychologist in, uh, here in Ontario uh, and former OHL draft pick and veteran and CIS veteran as well and today he dives into just so many great analogies there's just so much amazing detail um, really 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 articulates well and and you know I think everybody's really going to connect well with the content and uh, you know breaks down some you know some con new concepts pertaining to sports psych and uh, we demonstrate how all you goaltenders out there can start building out and growing your mental game more today with stuff that we haven't really heard of on the show yet. So it was a fire combo. So make sure to stick around all the way to the end of the episode to catch it all. But without further ado, let's jump into this week's conversation. I know you're going to love the chat Dr. Cassie and I had today. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Goalie Hacks podcast. And I'm excited to, be, uh, to welcome today former CIS athlete and current mental performance coaching leader, and that's Dr. Cassidy Preston to the show today. And after growing up in North Bay and eventually moving on to get drafted and playing the OHL with the St. Michael's Majors, he then spent five years playing over 130 CIS games with York University and the University of Toronto, being named the assistant captain in his final season in 2012 and 13. And since retiring, he's gone on to do some coaching, starting consistent uh, elite performance and I can't wait to dive into some mental goalie development here with him today on the show uh, Dr. Cassie how you doing thanks for coming on the show man uh, I appreciate it thanks Michael the uh, it's, it's great to be here yeah um, well you know it's happy to hear you be willing to come on the show and uh, I know we haven't had uh, for everybody listening I know we haven't had many episodes dedicated strictly to sort of you know sports psych and, and sometimes so i think it's going to be a good change up for everyone who's uh, who tunes in every week but nonetheless i've heard awesome things about you and your work uh, with, with your athletes and excited to dive into everything today but uh, maybe you can just detail to everyone some of the challenges you and your athletes have uh, faced uh, the past year due to covid and you know how you've been able to over overcome them up to this point yeah that's a, a real good starting point because it's been a, a heck of a year for for athletes in general for hockey players um especially not sure how many people are in ontario ontario has been one of the most locked down places yeah it's crazy and um it's you know you know and then it's been weird for me because you know i help people with performance you know and well-being and so it's like you know 
there's nowhere to perform that it's like, <laughs> <laughs> like what do you want to talk to me about? So, you know, the, the, so, but um, there's kind of two silver linings for me, which is first the ability to get um, that, uh, you know, well-being piece. It's like, Hey, let's stay mentally sane. Let's stay motivated. Yeah. Like, um, and, and that's huge. So there's just this whole well-being part that we're able to focus way more on and, and get the benefits out of. And as well as just like way more stuff online. So I've you know, worked with people in the States and, and you know, out in BC, all over the place and all over the world. That's been cool. But the other flip side of it is a lot of people, especially, you know, um, throughout this, and as the word goes out, oh, the mental side of the game. Like if I can't train the physical side, I might as well start working on the mental side. Right. Um, and I've been delaying it. And now I have the time. So it's been kind of weird for me that way where uh, we're kind of getting that um, – you know, kind of business in a different way, people coming to us in a different way than normal. And, uh, and, and we're really excited though, to be, uh, hopefully we're going to get a hockey season this year and, and things will be gearing up, um, in yeah. more of a, a normal way. And, uh, you know, we're, we'll be pretty busy because we're already pretty busy and we're having technically started yet. So <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, you know, like you said, everybody's kind of cluing into that side. Cause obviously for the, for a long period of time, for a lot of people, you couldn't really be on the ice, man, but you know, obviously awesome here. And I wish you and your athletes the best of luck as we, you know, roll into summer here and, and, you know, tryouts have are right around the corner if they haven't happened already, but, uh, maybe you could just start off, you know, by briefly sharing a bit of your story and how we got to where we are today. Yeah. So it's, and I love talking with goalies cause it's, you know, goal is such a mental game, right? Yeah. And, and I wasn't a goalie. I, I might have been a thing, but I was a forward, and I loved to score on goalies. And I was like, a, so I had always a good relationship with goalies because I, I love to score five hole, try and get them frustrated, right? Like, right, so, right. Um, but uh, <laughs> uh, I, so where I got into it, uh, especially the mental side of the game, is once I hit junior, right? So I'm from North Bay, Ontario, small, smaller city. I get drafted, um, go play junior hockey played five years of junior and it's during that time a little stint in pro and then five years of university hockey by mm -hmm. golly the mental game became really important for me like i was i'd play great and i'd be a disaster or i go on a hot stretch or then a cold stretch and like mm -hmm. you know what's my mindset how do i work on it and one of the analogies uh, that we use and i'm sure we'll we'll talk about a few times today is like you got to have a car right you got to have a, a fast car you know have the skills but what about the driver and if the driver is not focused or is playing scared and hesitant, mm -hmm. you're not getting the most out of your car. And so I kind of really learned early on the importance of that. But then it's like, it's not easy to work on. How do you work on the driver and your mindset? Right. And so that's what, uh, you know, I've dedicated a lot of my life to on finding effective strategies for athletes to get a better driver that's more focused and confident, um, block out the noise and get in the zone. And so they can get the most out of their the car. And so whether, whatever sport that is, and, and we do executive coaching and um, business people and then working on their mindset, cause everybody's mm -hmm. got mental blocks. So I really experienced a lot of that myself in firsthand and, uh, and have great mentors. And that's why I went into my PhD in, in that area, also doing some coaching work now too, cause you know, helping coaches get better at communicating, understanding these soft skills and right. leadership skills. But, um, yeah, that was, I really came about it honestly because of how much I struggled with it. So it was just kind of like, almost self-preservation of like figuring out how to overcome it myself first. And now it's kind of giving yeah. back and helping others not learn the long and hard way like I did. So. Yeah. Yeah. Well, maybe we can start off, you know, at that point talking about your personal playing experience a, a little at the next level and, and tying some of those, tying some of those lessons in uh, from the next level with mental performance. And you play in the OHL for many years and played CIS for many years. 
uh, and overall years playing, like, what do you think is the most important mental skill young athletes and goalies should, should start developing today that will help them transition much smoother to the next level when they get there? Yeah. One of the most uh, foundational ones, there's a few big foundational ones, but uh, the one I'll, I'll, I'll strike first is just related to um, understanding that like why you play in the first place is more about the love of the game and the enjoyment and the experience and not tying, Oh, you know, sport and my self-worth and confidence is just about winning and results and achievements. And if we're, we're so focused and centralized about, you know, I need to achieve more. It's, you know, it's about the results. My self-confidence self-worth is about results and what other people think like there's just a trickle and slew of problems that come from that and it's false and it's not true think about why you first start playing you know being a goalie in the first place playing hockey it's because you love the game the experience in and of itself right when you're having fun what happens you play your best you get in the zone so it's like um the most fundamental simple way to look at it is actually the best strategy and approach but we lose sight of that and especially as you jump and go through the next levels like yeah my one of the biggest kind of you know, challenges and and adversities, but also good learning lesson ties into this lesson we're talking about right now was my first year in the OHL. And I'm going in thinking I'm going to get drafted to the NHL. I'm like, that's it. Like, this is what it's about. Like, um, and I've got this inflated expectation, you know, I'm super confident I'm that good. And like, it didn't go that way. (laughs) (laughs) Spoiler alert. Um, It's, uh, I started off, um on the first line game one regular season i'm on the starting lineup and you know i'm doing okay but like i wasn't that skilled yet like i yeah. didn't have the you know the the mindset and and like did okay at junior i didn't even do that good in, in junior a the year before like so what do i i'm gonna think i'm gonna dominate and be an nhl draft pick like no questions asked like it's not that easy like i need yeah. someone to, to give me a reality check and um and so, and so I go in with this all about the results, you know, my confidence that if I get drafted, that's a good thing. It's a, so much judgment and everything's mm-hmm. about, you know, get there now, achieve it. And, uh, I quickly to a degree work my way down the lineup. And I remember being 10, 12 games in the coach goes like, it's going to be hard to play. now. like, you don't have any points as a forward and it hasn't gone your oh. way. Like, so then guess what happens? I don't play pretty much the rest of the year. Um, healthy oh. scratch, you know, most games. I got healthy scratch about half the games of the overall season. And when I did play, I was getting two, three shifts. Uh, one game we drive from Toronto to Ottawa, get in the lineup, didn't get a shift. It's like, how am I supposed wow. to get on the scoreboard? <laughs> like, you know, if you're not even getting ice time, let alone when you're getting a few shifts a game, you know, usually like four, give or take. So it's just like, um, so talk about hitting a low and losing the love of the game and, you know, right. self-worth and self-confidence. And all this, and and it started though at the, the beginning having you know an inflated view and focusing on the wrong things, um, and not the more meaningful things, and losing sight of my why and what was meaningful, and uh, and then that trickled into you know a really tough year and tough experience. But the cool thing is, is I was able to bounce back from that. Like I didn't let it define me. You know, my self worth is not based on my performance. One of the the lowest points was when I got home and we have a hometowns of about 56,000 people. So it's small. I'm the only guy playing in the OHL, right? Playing major yeah, wow. junior hockey. Like I'm like, oh, this is like, it's cool. 
but I'm a pretty big failure in a way because <laughs> I didn't get a point. <laughs> so, so well, it's like some guy, a nice guy, whatever, but like eventually he's, I don't know, we're at the bar and he's like, I could have got a point if I played 34 games. I was like, are you, are you kidding me? I was like, I was like, no you think way. I wasn't trying to get points? Like, I was like, oh, you know, uh, so like that, that stings. Right. And, yeah, uh, sure. and the confidence, but you know, I was able to overcome that. Didn't let it define me, you know, huge learning lessons about some of these concepts that I teach now and uh and and came back played up and down that year my next year in the O I was you know a regular guy third line you know put up 24 points whatever but yeah not like a big year but you know had, had a career and then eventually um won like a um junior A championship with the buzzers like nice. so there's some, a lot of good successes that uh, and great experiences that um you know some people might have just quit or just given up and uh, and let it define them, right? So, yeah. uh, and focus on that. That's why it's just about the results. And think of it again. Why I started that story is also like the predicament that I put myself in, being like, "Oh, it's about the results. All this year is about the results, and all these expectations and inflatedness." And then what happened? It says that actually made me more likely get into my own head. Because I'm like, oh, it's the draft. Oh no, I'm not playing well. I wonder, like, if, if I'm not in the first line, then I'm not going to get drafted. I'm not going to mm-hmm. like. It's just the running this rat race in a circle around uh, points, and goalies do this beyond belief. Like forwards do it crazy about <laughs> points. Goalies save percentage, GAA, oh, yeah. um, goals, um, winning percentage. Right? Like, am I getting yeah. the start? Like, it's a. Um, you know, good goals versus bad goals. Like it's like you know, there's no goal right. you like getting scored against. So, um, but uh, it's uh, you're running that rat race, thinking about getting nervous, getting you know, you know, squeezing the stick tight, or you're getting a little tight in the net. So you got yeah. the, the the little shaky early on in a game or late in a game. It can you can really get in your own head pretty quick, and uh, and so and and you know, and for D, like they, like they're worried about their playing time, or am I on the power play or right. not? Like they. And, and for every athlete, it's something uh, different in every sport. But yeah, goalies, it's uh, it definitely applies uh, uh, in various ways. So that's uh, yeah. those, that, that'd be anyways. That was a long winded uh, lesson, but it's a good story about my uh, one of my tougher tougher experiences. <laughs> yeah. So so maybe you can just detail to everybody how exactly you know you kind of pivoted your mentality and and what exactly you pivoted. Yeah. So. Um, I didn't necessarily do it that well when I was playing. So to be honest, right. So it became a, <laughs> like, like, it's not like, Oh, I learned it. And that was the changing point. And then from then on, I was a right. stud. No, <laughs> that's not, not exactly the case. I definitely kind of learned um, to get back in love with the, the love of the game and the experience of itself and mm-hmm. f- focus more on the process. And think of this, like if you, everyone's heard it, focus on the process, not the results. Really easy to say, not so easy for a lot of people to do. Like if yeah, you just think about like sure. how much, what percentage is your attention on the things you fully control, your what you feel is success for you. You're really just dialed into the process versus what percentage are you on results um, and, and the outcomes, you know, GAA, save percentage, winning. That's like a lot of people, it's like, especially as you hit junior, it's like 80% results. Yeah. Like that's the, they're consumed by it in various ways. And it, it varies. It could be 50 the point being, you want to be 95% plus dialed into your process. And right. so I had varying degrees of that. And, and the um, so that was something that I really started to kind of tune into more, uh, develop strategies to get in there uh, and to get that up. And that's, you know, then how you get into the zone and the flow and make the most out of your driver, get the most out of your car. But um, 
So that was a big one. Um, eventually kind of really letting go of the judgments of things is good and bad. That, that I really didn't get till I finished playing. You know, remember yeah. maybe my last year, like my last year, I was a lot more level-headed. I had a reset routine that I applied pretty consistently. Mm. And that's my last year, meaning like when I was 24, 25, my yeah. fifth year of, you know, university hockey. <laughs> so after five years of junior, a little stint of pro and five years of university, now I'm starting to like get a pretty good grasp of it. Like, and mm. I was reading books. I had a sports psychologist. I have other great mentors that work on, on mindset and other ways and uh, John Martini and, uh, and other people. And so it's finding the right routine and rhythm and, and debunking some of these limiting beliefs that were, uh, you know, led, led me to being that so result centered. So, yeah. Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah, again, I didn't quite figure it out, but that, uh, the, the short of it was, um, learning to focus and, and really embrace the process and the journey for what it was and, and that enjoyment of that in and of itself, as well as, you know, not judging results so much and getting caught up in that. Cause as long as you're judging them, then you're going to you know, get dialed in and focus on them. And so is this yeah. ability to be centered, um, is, uh, is really effective Whereas you know, things like meditation and uh, those things help with that. But the, the reset routine is one of those strategies that's our, our go-to one that I can dive more into. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, we, we got some stuff slated for a little later, but maybe we can just start off with, you know, kind of a macro view of, you know, you diving right into your kind of personal mental performance coaching philosophy. And maybe you can just detail to everyone, you know, uh, your mental performance system briefly or three or four of the main pillars, you know, you think significantly impact an athlete's performance that you think is important to discuss with everyone here today. Yeah. So I alluded to the, the beginning of it and the, the, which is the car and uh, driver analogy, which is, so we're focusing on the driver, which it means you're getting to the zone and that gives you the most of your car, which is consistent elite performance, right? Anybody can play well once. Like, can you play well consistently? Well, well, you need a good driver and the driver that can consistently get focused and play with confidence and not, uh, you know, afraid and, uh, and doubting themselves, but, you know, asserting themselves in the game. And how we do that, and one of the, the, the breakdown of our overview, what we do is we have like five pillars of like, so what makes up, you know, the mindset to, for the, for the, uh, the driver or the athlete, the goalie yeah. to get the most out of themselves and, and to be in the zone. There's these sub pieces. So we talk about intrinsic motivation is fundamental because I'm really often mm. motivated. This has been, um, uh, this year's a more struggle than others. Like that's become a, a bigger thing than usual. But um, often we'll have a highly motivated athlete, but they're highly leaning too much towards extrinsic motivation and they've lost touch of their intrinsic why. Mm. So, but that, so that's foundational. It's a big one and, and it's not an easy shift to work on, but that's an area, sub area, right? The other four are um, focus, uh, focus on the process. Like I mentioned before, versus focusing on results. It's like, what am I putting my attention on? I ask goalies and people all the time, how'd you play? Well, I got a good result. I got this. It doesn't tell me how you played. Like, right. <laughs> I tracked the puck. I was challenging. I was square. That's your how. You know, right. I was confident. That's your how. You have full control over that. That's the process. So people just completely butcher that nonstop. <laughs> Coaches do. Like, what, <laughs> uh, what's the game plan? We're going to win. Like, of course, that's the game plan. <laughs> how are we going to play? Like, so um, what's the priority here? So that's uh, number two. Number three is then composure, the ability to stay in the sweet spot arousal of relaxed, yet very focused and dialed in and uh, and calm and composed. So that's a huge one. Uh, we don't want to be getting too tense, um, yet you know, lacking focus. So that's huge. The four is resiliency. So just the overall ability to deal with adversity and distractions and you know stuff going on around us, what other people are doing or saying, 
And uh, we want to be able to bounce back when things don't go our way because it's not going to be smooth and easy path. How can we deal with and embrace the challenges that way? And then the last big one is confidence, obviously, mm. in the sense of one, how do you see yourself and want to have an accurate self-image, but also not being so caught up and worried about what everybody else um, thinks. And so we want to, you know, your opinion of yourself matters most. So they're all interrelated between motivation, focus, composure, resilience, and confidence. It just matters like teasing out which one can you work on the most. And so we have this mm -hmm. assessment, they do that. And that's now we're identifying and clarifying, here's what you're, what's going well, here's where you can work on. And then we give the strategies and the strategies, then there's a, you know, a ton and it's personalizing them. But the, there's a core three, which are about uh, the reset routine. It's our strategy of in games and practices to clear your mind, to get centered, okay, to get and activate your best self and, uh, and play with confidence. Then we do, you know, post game uh, and practice reflection so that we're consistently learning and growing. Um, cause it's like how else do you work on your mental game? Right. So it's like you reflect is, is a huge piece and that helps with, right. um, your actual, just, and, and think of it, goalies and everybody in athletes, they reflect generally, but are they reflecting well? So I want to reflect on tracking the, I was just talking talk with the goalie today, um, mm. tracking the puck. Well then reflect on how well you're tracking the puck. Like it's like, there's like, and then and don't judge yourself. Did I do my best at it? What worked, what didn't work? And, um, and if that's a priority, then you're reflecting on that. But then it's also reflecting on your mindset piece, like uh, using your reset routine or staying composed and and whatever the key things for you are. And then the third big one is you know mentally preparing, setting your intentions, not expectations, but intentions and standards for how you want to show up, imagining, using imagery, all that good stuff. We have all these other additional strategies and we have group calls and support and we want to personalize it and give people resources. But if they do the bread and butter, that gives them the biggest bang for your buck and gets the ball rolling. And those ones we always come back to. So, yeah. you know, from the top down, it's, you know, we know what your mindset is, know what the driver is versus the car. And let's spend some time working on the driver, break down that in the sub pieces, which are, you know, focus to confidence and motivation and resiliency and composure. And then what are the strategies to work on those and then start implementing them and do them consistently, just like you would do any other skill. It's like, oh, here's your workout plan to get stronger. Okay, now do the workout plan <laughs> so, right, right. and then and make adjustments accordingly. And uh, so we're just coaches and guides and we're just working on things that are way less tangible. So I need to be creative with analogies like drivers and cars um, and, you know, reset routines. And we talk about pink elephants and bubbles and we might get into that later. But it's ways to take these concepts um, and so athletes can easily digest them and apply them and therefore, uh, you know, have that in a, you know, have an effective result. So they get in the zone more and get the most out of their car. Yeah. And maybe we can dive into, um, you know, cause I think later in the convo, we're going to dive into a few of those, but the kind of the, the two, you know, um, obviously resilience, huge, we'll, we'll get into that later, but that intrinsic motivation, um, you know, what does that look like? What does that feel like to, to everybody listening that maybe if they're missing it, they, to help them identify that? Yeah, it's, it's a big one and it's, it's really finicky one. I'll use, um, a story to kind of, um, give this analogy of why yeah. we lose it. So, um, one of the, my favorite stories about intrinsic versus extrinsic motivation is a bunch of kids playing, um, flag football or whatever, catch football. Yeah. And they go into this old lady's backyard and on each end, there's these big flower beds and they got like throw a touchdown pass and you catch it and you land in the flower bed. And I saw it's like, so the boys love playing, right? And uh, you get to catch this. 
old lady don't like it, right? <laughs> Ruining her gardens, her flower beds. So she decides, she's creative, and she goes, okay, I'm going to start paying these kids to come play in my backyard. Well, that seems counterintuitive. And the kids are like, this is great. We love doing this. And now we're getting paid a dollar every time we come. So they keep doing it. And then after a while, it starts paying them a little less. It starts going 50 cents thing. And then it's a quarter. And then it's a dime and a nickel. And eventually, like, screw this. I'm not coming. You're not paying me enough. Yeah. And it became about the extrinsic things. And they forgot their why. Uh, why were they doing it in the first place? And like that, that is Elite Sport 101. And, um, you know, I got to the OHL. It wasn't about the love of the game. It was about getting drafted and going to the NHL, putting up points. Right. You know, how, like how many players, and I do this, especially when you hit junior and they, they track your stats, and you just can go online. And you're just like, after every game, I'm online, checking it. I'm writing it down. I'm just, you know, you're addicted to your results. Yeah, for sure. You're driven by the results. And there's nothing wrong with having a high desire and wanting results. And it's like, you can want to get paid to play hockey, like be a professional hockey player, right? Like it's not, there's nothing wrong with that. And that can be part of your motivation. But if it's taking over and losing sight, because it can, the intrinsic, what happens? You lose the fun of why you're there. You won't perform as well. You'll, you'll get caught up and you're judging results and you're focused on the wrong things. Your composure, your resiliency, your confidence gets tied to the external things. Mm. And so, uh, and that's why it can, it can really throw us off. So that's probably one of the best ways to frame, but there's other kind of like core drivers. We call them, uh, understanding your why Uh, I'll I'll give two. So the core drivers one is worth, uh, stating it's like the experience in itself. That's a core driver. I just enjoy doing it, which is pretty Mm -hmm. much that, that love of the game. But then you have to elaborate. Anybody can just say, I love the game. What does that mean for you? And it's that experience. So it's, it's hard to actually vocalize, right? Right. But it, it's engaging in that thought. The other t- three are uh, challenge, proving others wrong, can be an internal driver, um, just growing. So I, I like pushing myself, getting better at these skills and challenging and growing. So that's two. Three is um, it's uh, service. So like I want to contribute to my team, you know, for my family, doing it for my country, for my right. community, um, et cetera. So and there's like that kind of like pride that way or, you know, service and contribution. And then fourthly, and that's, and you can even get that even if you're not starting because you're just being a good team member or a leader. But the, and then the fourth one's a, a calling. Oh, I feel somebody in destiny has what I'm meant to do. Um, right. Th- th- those things all indicate intrinsic uh, motives. And the other nice way to really put a bow on this, uh, so to speak, is why do you play? People are uh, why, like, why do you train? Well, I train to get results. Wrong. Like, that's not why. That is the goal and intention. And that's the result that you're aiming right. for. But right. it's not the why. Why do you play in the first place? Why do you train? The why is in the intrinsic. It's because I love the game. And it's because I love the game that I train. And because I love the game and I train, here's the results and the feedback that I get and that mm. I'm working towards. But the results are not the why. And again, that's the, you know, getting the money versus, oh, I just love playing, catching in the ladies back right. uh, in the flower beds. And so that's a, the, the why is about values and intrinsic. The results are extrinsic and there's yeah. always a result and the results are feedback. And it doesn't mean we don't have goals and intentions to make saves and get to the next level, but it's not the actual main why. And if it is, it's usually going to start backfiring to some degree, especially as you lose sight of the intrinsic motives. So, yeah. Yeah. And then, and then regarding composure, 
Um, I thought that was kind of an interesting one. I haven't really heard people use that vernacular. Obviously, it's yeah. not that complicated, but um, <laughs> yeah. maybe you can dive into that a little more. Like, how do you really develop that composure more? I've, I've never really heard many people dive into how develop uh, how to develop that. So maybe you can share that. Yeah, with that's a, that's a great question. A lot of people don't uh, look at it that way, and it's a kind of either overlooked or understated. And um, uh, like Carrie Price is a great example of composure. Yeah, right. Like just cool as a cool combo, right? Like, and, uh, and, and Flurry's, um, also a pretty good example of, of composure as well. Like he's, mm -hmm. you know, just dominating for you know, a while here. So, yeah. um, was, you know, they're playing against each other now. So, um, but the, uh, in the conference finals, but one of the ways to think, okay, so how do you work on and what is it? One of the best ways to think about it is like under pressure, um, their, their tension that they have stays the same. Right. They're not allowing the context to affect their arousal level, which is this balance of like mm -hmm. being relaxed yet also focused. And so they stay in the sweet spot regardless of what's going on around them, regardless if it's a preseason game practice, you know, just playing with the, the guys yeah. or, you know, stay in the cup finals. It's just a game. It's stopping a puck. They stay even killed and focus on their process. And, um, and then, so the, how to work on your composure, cause it's, that's, it's, that's a sub result, a subcategory of our, you know, mindset of our, of the driver is to be able to regulate your emotions and be aware of your arousal level and to be able to calm down if it's getting too tense and be self-aware. Uh, and mm -hmm. if it's under aroused sometimes, cause often most athletes come to us, they're over aroused in games. They're too tense. Yeah. Oh, it's so important. I need to, I have to do this goal is early in the game. So tense. And then they settle in. Why the hell would you settle in five minutes in? Settle in before the first shot. Like, you right. know, get into your sweet spot right away. Or it's like, oh, is that like the pressure? And they're having, they're just doing their best to settle in. And um, and so it's it's getting the perspective of you know knowing where you're at. And then sometimes players though will you know think about playing like if you're in the NHL and you're playing sixty or you know what thirty games a year or whatever, you're playing a lot of games. Um, and you're starting a lot. Eventually, it's like, eh, just another game. You're under aroused. Yeah, you right. could actually hype yourself up, and and yet not too hyped. And so it's finding that balance. And the reset routine is one of the ways we do it. And it's accepting and letting go of limiting beliefs and things that aren't true. Like, oh, I have to make this save. No, you don't. Like, what's the world's gonna end? Like, it's you choose right. to make the save. You, um, you would like to make the save, but you don't <laughs> need to. Like, it's like right. and so you keep composure, and you're not putting you know, unrealistic pressures, like a good example of uh, unrealistic pressures is like, oh, uh, this is a must win game, or I need to be better than my, you know, than usual today. How the hell are you right. going to do that? Like, um, when coaches say things like this is a must win game, you got to be you know, extra good today. Like, was I not trying to win the other games? Like, right, <laughs> right. So, um, and so we say all these things and it, it lets, we really screw up the context. And my favorite example that I'll give this for composure is me and you play checkers. Like, would you want to win and try and beat me? Right. So of course. of course you want to win and you'll probably lose because I'm pretty good at checkers, but the, I'm uh, terrible. Okay, good. So I was just going to be <laughs> taking, probably would. taking candy from a baby here. And, um, <laughs> but now all of a sudden it's like a million dollars to the winner of this checkers game. Want to win now? Yeah. Like, yeah. You're really going to want to win, right? I could probably win then. Yeah. No, no. I said, yeah, I'm going to be better now. <laughs> I'm going to really try now. Right. So, and, um, it's like, you want to win regardless if it's free or checkers, but then watch this in the million dollars checkers game. What happens when I double jump you likely to happen? Cause I'm a pretty good checkers player. Yeah. And, uh, you go like, Oh, like I'm not going to win the million dollars. You're upset. Right. Your arousal level is too high. The tension's high. You're thinking about the context. 
the game's the same. Whether me and you are playing for free or a million dollars, it's me versus you, checkers, boards, the same. The difference is the context. And vice versa, what if you double jump me and you start winning? And you're like, oh, I'm going to win a million dollars. You're getting elated again. Your mind is on the context. And so the game is still the same. And so it's the same with athletes in sports. Oh, big time, big game today, guys. Big game, big game, big game. Got to be really good today. Like, wait, you could be better than normal? Like, <laughs> like yeah, yeah, yeah. it's just a game. Like, your job is to stop the puck, uh, you know, do your process, track it, do the things that are, are matter to you, regardless of it's uh, game one, practice, you know, training, playoffs, whatever. And so that's what composure is all about. It's having that perspective and being able to stay even keel and not get elated and deflated and uh, and judging things and your compo- uh, your arousal level going too high or too low. And yeah. so it's it's a skill in a sense. It's a uh, self-awareness and it's um, this ability to self-regulate. So yeah. it's uh, it's not always easy again to like, oh yeah, just do this exactly and it works right away. No, it's an ongoing thing you work on. Just like anything, it's not like, oh yeah, this is how you track the puck and now you're good at it and it's done. Like, no, you're going right. to keep working on it. Like, just Absolutely. like any other skill. But the more you put into it, the more you reflect and refine, like Carey Price, and Florida, they, they, they've figured it out. They've got it. Or not completely figured out. I, just, I don't like that saying. Well, seems that but, way, right? <laughs> yeah, it seems that way to a degree. But like, hey, Carey Price has had some rough patches. Flurry's had some rough patches. Like, yeah, of course. You know, it's not like uh, they're invincible, but they, they've got a tool set. They've got good support system. They've found ways that are working for them. And, um, and, and obviously, the goal is we work with, we get them into those states. And, uh, and then, you know, then it's about maintaining that. And they, you know, obviously the things that Carrie Price also has got a great car, right? So <laughs> you got a great car <laughs> and a great driver. Like I can get you a great driver, but I'm not working on your, the car. Right. right so right. Uh, you got to have both. And, yeah. um, and so you give me some of a great car, I'll find, I'll get you a great driver to, to drive it. So, yeah. um, the, that's kind of, uh, and that composure is a big piece. And, and again, it wasn't clear ties into the intrinsic motivation. It ties into your resilience. Mm-hmm. Someone that can stay composed, they become more resilient. They stay more confident. They, uh, someone that's self-motivated and intrinsically motivated, they'll stay more composed, right? They're all interconnected, mm-hmm. but it allows us and people to break down. What the hell are you working on with the driver here? <laughs> like, so, yeah. um, what is our mindset and, and the sub pieces? And then what are the strategies and how does that apply to, you know, the things that I'm experiencing and, and the results that I'm, I'm aiming for? So, yeah. Yeah, well, maybe that's kind of a good segue into, you know, talking about distractions, you know, talking about composure, obviously, distractions are kind of like what we're talking about that takes away really from our composure. So specifically, um, because of course, at the next level, even in tryouts coming up, and, you know, everybody has big games, they kind of hype up in their head or whatever, um, you need to be able to manage distractions, right? Yeah. So what's what's your best advice for people who are having trouble first identifying distractions? Yeah, for sure. I think um, uh, one of the ways to frame it is like it's the noise and you want to have a clear focus on the process. But noise comes in. Those are the distractions. And it's being aware of the noise that it's there and that you actually have to go to it and deal with it. So I alluded to earlier, it's like this pink elephant bubble analogy. So your bubble is your focus. right? You want to have a clear bubble focused on the process. But what happens is and so that's like no noise. You're blocking out the noise. But what happens, pink elephants show up and we use pink elephant because if I say, don't think of a pink elephant, what do you think of? A pink, a pink elephant, elephant of course. right? And so there's things we don't want to focus on come in. And then what is our normal response? Well, don't think about it. That doesn't work. 
well, I'm just yeah. going to, I'm just going to avoid it. I'm just going to forget about it. Like one of the most classic goalie ones, just, you know, you got scored against, just forget about it. Well, how the hell do you do that? Like, you're going to take your memory and, and get rid of it. Like that might be the intended result, but that's right. not the how. And it's right, like, right, Oh, right. um, well, you have distractions. Um, here's my advice. Just block them out. What the hell kind of advice is that? I'm like, <laughs> it's like, yeah. I remember uh, a parent with something like, yeah, just change the channel. Like, oh yeah. Just changing the channel. Like that's, it's, <laughs> it, that's the result, not the how. And, um, and so, so the, these pink elephants and so you can't outrun it, you can't kill it. You can't, uh, you can't just, you know, say go away and it goes away. What you do is you go to it and understand it. So why do I have this pink elephant? What am I so worried about? What's so, why am I so focused on the results and get perspective around it? And then it's like embracing it and accepting it for what it is. And now we can move past it. And so it's like, you've got a. Um, as a wolf that's kind of angry, well, you actually go and you calm it down and then you can like put it to sleep and move past it, right? So it's like, this is this embracing, leaning in versus trying to run away. Guess what? It's just going to keep chasing you. Like it's yeah. just the pink elephant's going to stay, um, you know, in your mind. And so you can kind of like, you can do some deep breathing and those things are, are very effective that help calm you down. But if you still don't deal with the pink elephant, there's still this noise and it's lingering and it weighs on you. And, uh, and the distractions perk up. And that's why, again, what percentage are you focused on what you can control in your process versus results? Damn, is it high for a lot of athletes and players? So yeah. that's a lot of noise going on. And therefore, how much are they getting the most out of their car? 60%. That's on average. I would say most of the athletes, wow. 60 to 80%, right? Like, a, you know, and then, but then it's going to range. And we you know, obviously a lot coming even lower, but you know, 60, 80 is pretty normal. I'd say 67 is probably the average. But, you know, we'll have people that will sign up with us like they're at 80 percent. That means they have 20 percent more that they could be playing and not at the potential and they're distracted. Right. 20 percent of your time, you're distracted. Like like obviously that's not going to lead to 20 percent more goals, but it could be 10 percent more goals against because it's like one of those shots you're distracted. You miss it. It goes in. Like makes sense. Poor rebound goes in. And so it directly um, is related to your percentage of performing at your potential. And so and the consistency of what you do so. And, uh, and we use that all the time. So again, I'll just use the driver example to make that very clear. If your driver is performing in the zone, 60%, the, the potential, the consistency of getting the most out of your car will be 60%. (laughs) That makes sense. It's literally just goes hand in hand. You're getting 95% of your driver. You're going to get 95% of your car, Mm. right? You're getting 10% of your driver. You're getting 10% of your car. And, um, and so it's that. Uh, how much of those distractions are in your driver's head? That's the that's that's it. That's twenty percent is is would be I would say pretty low. Most people, it's like 30, 40, 50 percent. There's distractions worrying about the scouts, what people think, the results, yeah, the exactly. outcomes, and so it's identifying which ones for you, why they're there, learning to embrace it and get perspective, take a breath, let it go, and then you focus in on you know what does matter, what matters more, your process, that enjoyment, that intrinsic, the love of the game again. Not the not the not the loony from the from the lady, right? So, yeah, um, from the old lady in her backyard. It's the love of the game. You get back to that, you're having fun. You're playing. That's what like Flurry is yeah. one of the best for that. How much fun does that guy have? Right. Yeah. That's that's why he's got a great mental game. He's so consistent in his play it the way he is because he stays connected to the love of his. He knows that love of the game. Right. So, you know, how, how can people start building like, you know, they identify distractions and, you know, I just give, give some examples for me. Like when I was younger, you know, when I turned 16 and from Ontario to, you know, 15, sorry, 
you know, you're, you're looking at the OHL draft, all of a sudden there's scouts in the stands, all of a sudden you're looking at the scoreboard and the shot clock more often, and you're looking outside the glass, you know? Yeah. So for me, it was about identifying, you know, what were the things that took my mind and my focus away from just like stopping the next puck. Um, and those are some of my personal examples just for everybody listening. I went through this stuff too, but uh, maybe for everybody listening, uh, you can kind of detail how exactly they can start building systems you know, routines to manage those distractions once they figure out uh, what's a, what's kind of affecting them. Yeah, for sure. So let's let's take like a common one, the scouts, right? The, and you're worried about the scoreboard, goals against, winning, uh, save percentage. So which they're all connected, right? Um, and so that's the, the so it's pretty much like five pink elephants all holding their hands, right? So right. There's <laughs> so a noisy little bunch there, <laughs> and, um, and 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 they're weighing on you. And so think of it like so: how do we clear it? Well, think of it like a test. Do you study for the test during the test? like, Or do we study for it in advance? And then when right. we get there, we apply it. So that's mm. that's a concept that applies to this. So it's it's a reset routine is the routine that we find most effective. And the other things help the reset routine be a, more effective. And there's other lots of, we can go way off. Um, we don't have the time to do that. But what we'll do then, the studying is like, it's preparing your reset routine. It's preparing like, okay, I know, or we, or we identify and we become aware, I have a hard time accepting that I'm, you know, the scouts might get mad at me, like, or, or not mad, but, um, mm. you know, the coach might get mad at you. The, yeah, the scouts uh, might not like, scouts might not like you. Yeah. you. You could let in a few goals, um, you know, more than you'd like, and, uh, and you might not win, et cetera. So yeah. we know that's um, what you're having a hard time accepting dealing with. So how can we be better? able to embrace it, accept it and let it go and get clarity of what matters most in your process and what, how you can come back to it. And what's the routine that you can do before the game, you know, during the game, if you get distracted after a goal against, if you feel like that's weighing on you, what's the routine that reminds you to come back to that homework and answer like, Oh yeah, I'm human. The best goalies in the world make mistakes, letting goals. Nobody's liked by everybody. And you've already done the homework. And so that's like, when those pink albums show up, it's like, nope, see you later. Like, you know what I mean? Like, right. I know how to deal with you. I've, I've studied this. I, I know how to get centered. And some days it doesn't work. And so you have to adapt and you got to learn and you got to, or maybe you weren't fully willing to accept or you didn't do the homework well enough. And so it's mm -hmm. just a learning opportunity. No one's perfect. It's not like, like you're going to get in the zone and be in the zone all the time. That's ridiculous. Right. 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 But it's, it's, you know, let's get closer to 95 plus and, and try and stay up there and prevent major dips or long dips. Right. And the ability yeah. to like, hey, it's dipping. How can I, you know, I know how to pull myself out of this. And mm -hmm. so it's this homework analogy of clarifying your reset routine and clarifying your limiting beliefs and these mental blocks, so to speak, that, um, oh, I can't deal with this pink elf and it's unacceptable. Well, mm -hmm. if it's unacceptable, then don't be a goalie. You won't get scored against. Like, <laughs> that's the solution. Like, so I don't think that's the answer. So instead, yeah. it's about willingness to accept it. And it doesn't mean like you like getting scored against. Is you accept that it could happen and you right. understand that, you know, there's some things that are out of your control and, uh, and you, you know, coaches might get mad at you and it's just a result and you can learn and grow from it. And so you're a lot more at peace and centered around it, composed. And therefore that distraction of the result, you could, you're accepting it and letting it go, right? The pink elephant is outside of the bubble now, mm -hmm. right? Because you've calmed it down you've dealt with it and you went to it. And if, and then, and if you really do your reset routine while you're doing your homework, well, it doesn't even get into your bubble. It shows up and it's like, bam, hits a fence and, like, right, right. Um, and just deflects. And that's, 
know, and that's 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 what we want. We we get really effective and efficient at uh, those things coming up. And yeah, and I would say, like, and I'm sure from your own experience and and a lot of pro goalies and some better than others, obviously, you know, you're kind of like figuring this out, kind of like on your own, right? And you kind of, of like, and you're kind of doing it. And the question is, like, how well are you doing it? And then some days it's like it's not working well, and you don't have that full system flushed out. Yeah. You know, and so therefore, how reliable is it? And so that's where my job is. Like, I will make you a real reliable system that keeps you 95 plus in the zone yeah. and blocking and, and effective at blocking out distractions. Right. I, I don't make guarantees of 100 because that's a little ridiculous. We're human. Of course. <laughs> but like, if you're running at 95, like that's what, you know, you're going to hit games. Like, it's, it's just, you're just dialed in. Right. And, yeah. um, and so, and that's great. And like, you know, Carrie Price playing really well. He letting what four goals the other night, like, in game one of the, the conference yeah. finals. So it's just like, he's human. Like, <laughs> does that mean he wasn't completely dialed in? Well, maybe not as much as maybe some of the other games still played well. Right. So yeah. it's, um, it, it's, it's more about that process and engaging and having a system that's reliable for you. So even when, you know, there's tough times, you're not, uh, you can stay tough through it. Right. And not right. get, uh, uh, completely derailed. So, yeah. Yeah, well, I think it's also a great segue into sort of my next question, which is I saw this idea on your page and um, I'm, I'm a, I, I've talked about it a lot on my show, too. And it's just the fear of making mistakes and sort of the fear of failing. Uh, how exactly do you explain this concept to people initially and why is this so common? Yeah, it's um, uh, it's a big one. And uh, as long as you're afraid to make mistakes and uh, get scored against and uh, and to fail, then what are we going to do? We're going to play uh, tense. We're going to play afraid. We're going to play right. small. And um, and so this, I, I call these uh, two different mindsets. So there's this fear-based mindset, um, which is like, oh, mistakes are bad. Uh, Got to play safe and small. Like, don't put right. myself out there. And um, and so for and goalies, that often might be, I'm not challenging enough, right? Um, right. Or and, and they're hesitating because like, oh, I don't know. I don't want to move and then get beat. So then they under move and they hesitate and they overthink the lead to, mm. um, but they're, they're, they're playing afraid, right? You can tell when a goalie's is playing afraid. And, and then the, the flip of that is like, Oh, this guy's playing with confidence. He's loose. He's free. Mm. Like he's in the zone. Right. And, um, and so there's, there's a stark difference. And the cool thing, and one of the ways to frame it is you're either in one or the other. It's like, it's, it's kind of a black or white thing where it's like, yeah. you're in this state or you're in that state. And you're going to oscillate to a degree. No one's going to be perfectly in this confident, you know, carefree state all the time. Right. The question is, again, what percentage? And again, that's, that's those sub pieces. And we talk about confidence and we talk about um, uh, is a big piece as well as resilience and, and composure where it's just like you're not judging the results as bad. If you're like, oh, it's so bad if I get scored against, uh, I really can't get scored against. You're going to end up in this, you know, fearful state. Whereas like right. I can accept like, hey. Obviously, I don't want to get scored against, but if I do, I can learn and grow from it. And so it's my right. goal and intention to make a lot of saves and not get scored against. But if it doesn't happen, I can learn and grow and I can deal with it and I can overcome it and it's not the end of the world. And so now we're not so afraid to make mistakes. It was like, I know and I'm really focused on making the saves and playing a certain way and my love of the game. And you're, you stay in that mindset. One of my yeah. favorite ways to break that down and kind of make it even more tangible. And it's kind of like a, especially for those that are overthinking or a little more analytical, which often a lot of people that struggle with the mental game can be analytical, or there's just people that haven't yeah, thought much about it at all sure. is um, 
I call it the, the two, three versus three, four. So if I go one's like, you're super safe. Like, Oh my God, I really can't make any mistakes. And uh, like, you won't go out and play the puck, you know, <laughs> you don't challenge. You're just like right. really not moving a lot. Two is still too safe. So you're more on the, the safe side, but at least there's a, there's a bit more movement. So I, I use two variants of that. And then three is like, you're in the sweet spot, right? You're playing, you're making the best play. You're the, the optimum of challenging, tracking, you right. know, patience, uh, et cetera. I'm um, playing the puck and, and, and coming out. And then four is you're a little risky. You might be overcoming. You might be overstepping. You might be like, like, you know, over moving in the net or, or, or something like that. And, right. um, um, and you're just, you're, or you're trying to do too much, et cetera. But the, uh, it's like, hey, I'm, I'm willing to go out there and make a play and, and it's going to, it might cost you. Right. But the, the idea is first and foremost, you can't be perfectly three. And people sometimes try to be perfectly three. I can't go into the four zone. I can't, you know, make too much of a, of a, right. of a move and overdo things and over challenge. And this, like, that's, you know, a, a bad mistake and I can't do it. Uh, and that's so bad if I make that mistake and, and fail in that way. So then what happens? They end up in this two, three zone, which means they're not going to learn as much and they're going to minimize their impact because they're playing small and timid and afraid and vice versa. When it's like, okay, if I get beat, and I'm challenging and I'm doing this and, and, and moving towards where the puck's going and, and tracking the puck goes, you know, I'm not a goalie coach, obviously, but the, <laughs> I've talked to enough goalies, no goalie enough. Uh, some For terms. sure. I know, I'll, I'll throw some too. terms out there. Right. The, um, <laughs> but the, but then the, um, the point being is, uh, so, so, and then we're in that mindset. And so you're in one of two and to get into this, I call it the three, four, cause you're willing to go into the four zone. You're not afraid of it. Right, this fear of failure, you're not going right. to go in three, four. You're therefore automatically put into the two, three. And the two, right. three is the fear state, play small, tense, hesitate, overthink, not perform as your optimal impact. And the three, four is I'm willing to cross into the four zone. It's not bad if I do, it's just feedback. And I learn and grow from it. And, you know, yeah, I challenged too much or I was moving too much and, and I adjust accordingly. Or I was, you know, whatever it is that uh, you're overdoing on taking yeah. too much risk on. And so, but like, I'm willing to do that. And, oh, I got scored against. A lot of times, oh, I got scored against and I overdid something. Oh, go into two, three zone. Like, play safe. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Don't do too yeah. much now. Like, you know, play small. Like, it's, uh, you know, don't put yourself out there. And uh, and you doubt yourself and I can't do it. So the, a lot of that comes to the judgment of um, mistakes and, and goals against and uh, and the results as good and bad. And, um, and that's not inherently true. It's just a result and we can learn and grow from either. And clearly one's the intended goal, but we don't have to be so uh, judgmental about it just being, oh, it's so yeah, good or bad. It's not, that, that not goal, that black, right? it's not that black or white, right? In yeah. terms of the judgment around it, uh, in terms of how it serves us in the big picture. Obviously yeah. the way every goal we don't like, <laughs> a goal is going to call it bad. But what does the player call it? Good. What does the ref call right. it? Just a goal. So it's not inherently good or bad. And, <laughs> and then watch this. Um, if you're as a goalie, get don't get scored against all season. We would often think that's good. Uh, and you got the other goalie that, you know, uh, three goals against, one, two, zero, yeah. all year. And both goalies go and play junior next year. Well, guess what's going to happen? Both are going to get lit up one game, three, four goals against. Who's right. going to be better at dealing with it? The guy that didn't get scored against all last year or the guy that's had to deal mm-hmm. with some adversity um, and challenges and, and how to keep perspective yeah. guaranteed the latter guy. Yeah. And so there's, yeah, that's a benefit to getting scored against. 
Oh, that's kind of messed up way to look at it. This is the right way to look at it. It's the true way. And, and that's the truth. And it's a, um, a fantasy to think that it's, it's just all sunshine rainbows when you make saves and there's no drawbacks to uh, making saves and there's no benefits to getting scored against. In a way, there is. doesn't mean that you want to get scored against and you're choosing to get scored against. No, the goal and intention is always to make saves. But don't think that it's one-sided and have these fantasies around it um, because that leads to all this judgment, which leads to that fear of mistakes yeah. and you know this rippling down effect. So. Yeah, no, I love that, man. Maybe we can dive into self-belief now. You've yeah. alluded to it a, a lot in the conversation. Um, obviously, really important to believe in yourself and, and have confidence, right? We talk about confidence, but yeah. where and why do you typically see young goaltenders and athletes lack that or, or the knowledge on, on how to build it? Yeah, so uh, belief's a finicky word. I would use the word self-worth more than self-belief. And so... Um, uh, so obviously self-belief, they're, they're pretty much they mean the same thing. But think yeah. of it this way. When we use the word belief, it's like, I believe this is true. It's like, no, I want you to know what's true and what's not true. And what we want to know in terms of self-belief is actually knowing you are worthy to succeed in general, worthy to grow. And a lot of us struggle with self-worth. And so one of the best analogies for this is the confidence tree analogy. So, you know, I'll paint a picture here, you know, with my words is uh, you got this tree and at the roots of the tree is self-worth. You know, I can do things. I'm worthy. And, um, and then the middle of the tree, the trunk, the core is your esteem. So I'm worthy as or I, um, I'm a good person, right? Like I'm, I'm a confident and capable person overall. And then there's the major branches and those are your confidence in different areas. So there's my confidence as a hockey player. Um, in school, relationships, uh, my confidence as a lawyer, not there because I didn't go to law school, right? So I'm like, right. um, but that doesn't affect the other branches. So, right. and then on each branch, there's little twigs or leaves or whatever. And those are called the um, self-efficacy or it's your confidence in the sub-skills of that area. So in, mm -hmm. in hockey, it's like challenging and uh, tracking the puck and rebound yeah. control. And so, and you can have the confidence there. And so what true self-confidence is, is having an accurate self-image, knowing your skills and ability. That's 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 the bottom line. It's not right. about oh, I'm the best goalie ever. No, like it's about do you know what you're capable of, and you determine mm -hmm. it. Now, what becomes really interesting in this, and it's why I use the word self-worth over self-belief, is like um, it's probably a more accurate word, and uh, and there's some connotations with belief that could throw you off. Is with self-worth is like if you're struggling with a little bit of self-worth, the roots of the tree, the whole tree gets shaky. I'm not mm. sure if I deserve to be successful, right? which would be like a, a lack of self-belief, but it's right. more of a lack of self-worth. I don't know if I'm worthy to be successful, right? And, um, and so it's this knowing. And so one of the really funny things about it is like, who determines your self-worth? Well, a lot of times, yeah. like uh, other people do. It's the, wow. uh, the yeah. other people's opinions and it's the results. Right. Wrong. That's really messed up. Like you determine your self-worth, not other people. Like, right. And if we're letting other people determine if we're worthy and we're letting the results, oh, well, I got a, a shutout today. I'm worthy. Oh, I let in four goals. I'm not worthy. I suck. Like, what the hell? Like your self-worth is that it's going to oscillate that much from day right, to day. Right. And, and same with confidence. It's not like you got better as a goalie because you got a shutout. And the next day you let in goals, I got worse. No, you didn't. You're the same person. Your abilities are the same. Right. The result changed. And so we stopped tying our confidence and particularly our self-worth to those things. And we take ownership. And what's really cool about this is uh, another story that will tie in 
is of the most powerful witch in the whole wide world. And she was going to pass away and she has all these crazy potions and she sells them all off except for one. It's a really old one. She keeps it for her granddaughter. Her granddaughter's like, what the heck? Like, why, why do you get rid of all these other ones and you, and you leave this one? She goes, because it's the most powerful one. So you give somebody just a little bit of this, it can ruin everything. It trumps everything else. She goes, what yeah. is it? It's discouragement. You think you can't. You're not mm-hmm. worthy, which is that self-belief or just, you know, I can't believe myself. Yeah. But it's the worthiness is, is a better word around it. And uh, and so you have a little bit of discouragement, attacking the roots of your tree. The whole thing gets shaky. And so that's why we need to remember and identify that you determine your self-worth. Obviously, you got to be put in the work. We don't want you to have an inflated self-image. But I'm the best when you're not. Like, it's like, But it's about having an accurate self-image that you determine based on the work you do. Um, and it has to also be the sense of worthiness to grow, right? And yeah. um, and so we have to give ourselves permission to do that. I can't make someone feel worthy, right? It's like, oh, can you help me get confidence? Oh yeah, I'm gonna give it to you. What the hell does that mean? Like, it's like, I'm gonna yeah. give you keys? No, I don't give you anything. Like, I help you reflect and see and own a accurate self image, and and remember and help you take ownership of your self worth, and uh, which you know sounds like self confidence, self belief, etc. It's like, yeah, now I'm more confident. No, now you have a more accurate self-image and a stronger mm-hmm. self-image that's more stable um, and rooted with the roots of the tree are strong with self-worth that you define and, and uh, not other people and tied to external results. Yeah. So that's a long-winded um, answer on that. And, uh, and, and then I'll just kind of maybe explain why the belief word's always um, interesting. So one of our big uh, things that we teach a lot is we call limiting beliefs, right? So it's like we believe it, and but it's not true. And so we use a two plus two equals five as an example of a limiting belief. That's not true. So you walk around, you could believe it's true. I could convince you, hey, Mike, uh, two plus two equals five. Oh, okay, sure. (laughs) I believe it's true, but it ain't. (laughs) So I'm like, and that's going to cost you. And it's like, well, I believe this about myself and I believe, no, no. What do you know? And we as humans, um, what do we know to be true? What's perspective? And we know that we're worthy. And let's focus on what we know and, and not get caught up in all this, you know, what might be true. And our brain's actually really good at centering us. And uh, think of it as uh, if you've ever been elated. Oh, I'm the best. Like, I got a shout out. I'm so awesome. And right. But then part of your mind's going like, well, still more work to be done. It's not means you're going to get shut out all the time. And you're like, screw off that side. I'm just so focused on how awesome I am. And you right. get elated. And almost guaranteed what happens after getting elated, deflate. You're right. probably blow up going to the next game. At some point, you're going to deflate. I had a goalie, I guess not this past year, but the year before, um, dominating his minor midget year. Okay. I, like you're a top goalie. Everyone's yeah. hyping him up. And he's like, good, 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 good. Getting elated. Not listening to that other voice downplaying. Obviously, eventually, what happens? Going to get scored against. Deflates. Right. Doesn't know how to deal with it. Makes sense. Like, um, and because he was getting so inflated and the vice versa is also true. Think of like, oh, you're letting a bunch of goals and you feel deflated. You're beating yourself up. There's also a voice being like, not all bad. You can grow from this. It's not the end of the world. Like it doesn't define you. Like you almost stayed like, no, if you allow yourself to hear both sides, you'll stay actually more centered and, uh, and keep an accurate self image and, uh, and keep your self worth rooted and strong. And so, uh, these beliefs, you know, are kind of more like up in the air beliefs versus like principles, truths, what I know um, 
is, and you, and we do know things like we can yeah. know what our ability is and what we are capable of, but we can't not inflated because that's, you're not going to help. Um, but in an accurate way and your mind is actually telling you, you just got to listen to it. So, yeah, you know, and it's funny, you know, um, I, I say this to some people too, you know, your, your, your mind in your mind, you know, it's your voice over and over and over and over you're, it's you talking yourself. Uh, but the problem is, is that what that voice tells you in your head is not always true, mm -hmm. right? Yet we listen to it and we believe it. And, um, you know, it's the same thing when you're doing a bag skate and you're in, in your mind, you're like, Oh, I can't go anymore. Yeah. You know? And, um, Oh man, I'm I'm blanking on the guy's name now. Uh, can't can't be hurt. What's his name? Oh yeah, uh, uh, Doggins are. Uh, yeah, 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 David okay. Goggins. Yeah, David Goggins. You know, he says, yeah. you know, when you when you hit your your when you hit your max, you know, you're only like forty percent. You're actually only forty percent of your limit. Yeah. So you know, for for kind of people listening, you know, it was something that I learned. I'd say, like a little probably earlier that that contributed to my success was that I realized that the voice in my head wasn't always right. Yeah. You know, what it was telling me wasn't always right. You know, the doubt I had or how mm -hmm. far it could go. And I started to prove to myself that. Mm -hmm. And when you kind of break through that barrier, you're in full control of all of the emotions and everything going on in your head. Right. But yeah. um, maybe we can kind of dive in finally to just consistency. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of goalies struggle with that. We, we talked about a lot uh, throughout the conversation. But what exactly can goalies and, and athletes start doing? Um, that will help them improve their consistency significantly and, and, and start building their own systems. Yeah, hundred percent. So here's, um, the, the big answer is you got to work on all the stuff we talked about. <laughs> like I said, yeah. um, you want to get consistent out of your car, <laughs> you got to work on your driver, you gotta have a consistent driver. And so all of right. we talked about will apply. Um, but then on a more practical, you know, side is like, you need a system to work on your driver consistently. You can't just work on your driver for a little bit and be changing it every week. Like mm. you've got to create your reset routine. You got to be, you know, your mentors or people you talk to or how you reflect consistent. And, you know, you're, you're always adjusting things, but it's like, you've got a system that works for you. So that's, and again, the, the one we use and recommend is some form of a reset routine. It's ability to get present at the beginning and throughout um, practices and games, not just games for practices. Uh, reflection process to keep us level-headed and, and growing and, and becoming more aware so we get better at self-correcting and keep moving forward and a mentally preparing system of setting your intentions, your process, your game plan um, for, again, all practices and games. And so it's a three-part cycle. We prepare, we play and get present, and then we reflect and grow, prepare, play, reflect and grow. You do that consistently, you will get more consistent results out of your driver and therefore get more consistent results out of your car and um and so that's how you work on the driver and if you're not doing it consistently like i've guys sometimes will come it's like yeah I start doing it and then they stop doing it consistently even in our programs and then guess what happens to the results they start to become less consistent because you stopped working on the driver uh you're focused too much on the car and it doesn't mean don't focus on the car just make sure you're continually to tune up your driver and do and those three things are bread and butter that's what if you're doing those three things you're going to stay pretty consistent. We're doing them well. And, you know, I think we've, we've dived into a lot of good examples and, and context, but it's, you got to personalize it. You know, we walk you through obviously in our programs and stuff to make sure you're implementing it more effectively. And then if you do stop implementing it, it's like there's a ton of accountability. We've got our group calls where it's just like, you're hearing other goalies going through the same stuff, other athletes, 
on reminding you weekly, like, don't forget, because guess what? Our society's right. pushing us all the other way. It's not normal practice to, you know, do the mental prep, do a reset routine and do proper reflection and, and work and spend some time and energy. Not a lot. It's not a lot of time and energy. That's the cool thing. The amount you got to pay and invest in the time compared to how much you train, like how much money and time you invest in your car and you're not investing in your driver. Like, what the heck yeah. are you doing? Like, we're yeah. talking an hour a week, you know, 10 minutes a day here and there, like versus you're spending well, hours people, and hours. People don't gym. have this, uh, yeah. you know, the generation we live in now, it's, you know, it's yeah. getting started and they, they think of it as this big big thing they have to overcome but it, you know I, you've probably heard of the idea of the compound effect exactly. with from darren hardy right yeah love that book so um maybe you can just touch on that a little yeah bit. so it's, it's these little things done consistently make a huge impact and um and see, like your nutrition your uh, working out it's doing them and doing them consistently but and again my the point that i'm making here is like working on your mental game is way less taxing than working on your nutrition right. and your, and your gym, you're putting in, if you're putting in eight hours a week at the gym, like, I don't know, that's a good amount, maybe it's 10, yeah. whatever you're putting in two to your mental game one. And it's like, why would you not do that? Why put in all this time and get a great car and not have a great driver? Mm. And it's, and that, that's a cool thing. So it's, you gotta do the, the strategies consistently to get the most out of your driver, but it's peanuts compared to what you're putting into the car what you've already put into it. If you're already playing junior or in your midget, you're putting years and years of work in refining the car. And you yeah. got to keep doing that. It doesn't mean you stop because you got to keep the car sharp and keep it growing and get it faster sure. and better. But don't forget the driver and get a plan and a system and do it consistently because it's just not common right now. Not yet. It's coming. It's uh, that more and more people are doing it in different ways. And uh, yeah. uh, it's so, you know, you got to get on the wave or you're going to miss it. So, and it's, yeah. and it's, that's how you get consistent. Cause if you're doing all the stuff we've talked about, worried about this, distracted about that composures all over the place, you know, motivations, you know, too extrinsic at times, not enough intrinsic, your performance, your zone, not going to be at 95 plus you're going to be 80, 70, 60, 50. Your what you get out of your car, just directly drop with that. And so, um, yeah. And, and you do these little things, you do it consistently how it just becomes a habit, it becomes part of who you are. That's where you see professional goalies and great goalies. Mm -hmm. Like they have their routines down pat, their system down pat. Doesn't mean they can't keep tweaking it and they'll often they need to. And then, uh, and, and cause we're always growing and changing, but you gotta have a foundational system and, uh, you know, doing a program or talking to somebody or, or figuring it out on your own if you want, but usually a lot faster to figure out with some, with other people, just like yeah. with any coaching. Um, you know, is, is, is how to be more consistent. So no, it's a great question. Yeah. 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 Well, Dr. Cassie, you have any last words of advice for uh, everyone listening that you feel passionate about sharing? Um, no, I think it's um, just being willing to, um, you know, try it, like do something like something's better than nothing. Do a little bit. So right. take one thing out of today, apply it. You want to reach out? That's great. And then maybe we'll, we'll give some contact info, but the um, try something uh, is better than nothing. And it's like, Oh, I'm not sure it's going to work for me. Oh, it'll sound nice. Write it down, like get something and do a little thing and it, mm -hmm. it can add up. And then what we find is as people apply this and start doing it, it's like, Oh, this actually worked and it's helping. Yeah. And then it's like, now they want to do more of it and they want to keep engaging and, and doing it and keep refining it. But, um, yeah, that's, that's, that's a good one to, to think about. Cause we've, we've really given a lot of ideas and strategies today. So it's yeah. about then, 
you gotta go apply it. You can't listen Take to podcasts and be like, oh, I listen to this podcast about the mental game. Now nah, I should be good to go. Not <laughs> really. It's like, all too often, eh? Yeah, like it's just like no, like uh, now you gotta go apply what we heard, and you gotta yeah, apply it consistently, yeah. and you gotta you know integrate it into your routines and stay accountable. So, mm-hmm. um, but a lot of times it's just that first barrier, so that leap to get started is the hardest. But it's the inertia effect. It's like moving a boulder. Once you get it going, it starts momentum builds up, and, right. and it goes. So get it going. Yeah. Okay, this is my uh, uh, reach out. <laughs> I'll self plug, but the uh, if you want. So that's, yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, buddy, uh, uh, thank you for coming on the show today. And like I said, uh, you know, we haven't had a mental performance coach on in some time and, you know, you went into extraordinary detail, you know, very impressed. And I know today we'll just shed a ton of light on not just what it takes to be an elite athlete, but to be a successful athlete at the next level as well. So yeah. can you just let everyone know where they get in touch with you online? Yeah. So, um, the website's consistent elite performance.com. Uh, so you can Google us and, and find us there and that has all our contact info. Um, you can kind of see our programs and see a bit of, uh, about us more there and you can apply for, you know, we have group programs and we have, uh, uh, one-on-one coaching and, and there's packaging to both of them. And, um, and yeah, they can just reach out if they're interested. You know, we're also on Instagram and YouTube. There's some good content on there. Uh, we have a, we have two podcasts. One's a consistently performance podcast, so it's just all about the mental game. We actually have another one's more nice. coaching and leadership based. It's called Beyond the X's and O's, and uh, it's really cool. So we're doing a lot of coaching stuff. So then a coach is listening. Uh, I highly encourage you to check that out. Um, so those are a lot of the big things we got going on, and you should be able to find all that stuff online at our website. So right on. So go check out Dr. Cassidy Preston and all the mentioned links will be available in the show notes. If anyone wants to go connect with him and him and his athletes have experienced tons of success at the next level for years now. And I know they'll have a bright future ahead of them. So maybe somewhere down the road, we'll have you back on the show, man, if that's something that interests you. Oh, for sure. This is a great chat and you asked some great questions. So my pleasure. Uh, I enjoy getting to, uh, to share and give some stories and analogies and hopefully it in- impacts some of the listeners and, uh, just reach out if they have any questions or, um, or if they're interested. So thank you very much for having me. Yeah, my pleasure, man. I'm grateful for you coming on, buddy. You take care, stay safe, and we'll chat soon, man. Okay, you too. Thanks for tuning into this week's episode, guys. If you like what you heard today, make sure to hit that subscribe button as we have tons of amazing guests lined up ready to come on to the show in the next few months and make sure to tune in next week and every Tuesday from now on at 8 a.m. As next week, I have the 2021 NCAA D1 Mike Richter Award winner coming on the show. And that's Jack LaFontaine, who's had an incredible uh, journey. Uh, definitely worth discussing, you know, filled with ups and downs. But nonetheless, Jack has come out on top this season as Division One college, college hockey's best goaltender. And uh, we were supposed to release this one last week, but I figured... Uh, it'd be better to, to, to kind of break up some of the active goalie interviews with some more variety as you all love and come to the Goalie Hacks audio experience for. So can't wait for uh, for you guys to hear this convo with Jack. Was a, He's such a nice and focused individual. You guys are going to love it. So make sure to tune back next week. Without further ado, here are the giveaway details for our monthly giveaway we do for the Goalie Hacks podcast. And just as a note here, if you enter into this giveaway, even if you don't win uh, we select four winners a month, and, and that includes books, uh, different products, training products, uh, neuro tracker subscriptions. We give away all sorts of things. We pick four people a month. And even if you don't win, 
uh, one month, you're always entered into uh, the, the future the future giveaway. So to enter the giveaway, if you're an Apple user, simply go to the Apple Podcast app on your phone and leave us a written review and rating. And if you're an Android user, you can also download iTunes onto your computer and leave a review and rating on there as well. And once you leave a review of the podcast, just take a screenshot of it and either email it to goaliehacks at gmail.com or DM me on Instagram with your screenshot and your full name. Get excited, guys. Great things ahead. I hope you guys enjoyed today's show, and I'll see you next week. Oh,